Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to season four, episode five of the Nine Five Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham, and today's guest is the co-CEO and creative director of CKC Collective, the ultimate in luxury clothing from formal to casual wear. Whether for the boardroom or going on a weekend getaway, CKC Collective has something for you at a fraction of the normal luxury price. The attention to detail, the care and craftsmanship, and the ability to bring out the very best version of yourself truly embody the CKC experience. Today's guest, Mr. Christopher Corey, makes his second appearance on the 95 Killers podcast to share how the business thrived during a global pandemic, expanding the CKC brand, and using social media as a positive tool to uplift and inspire others. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to reintroduce Mr. Christopher Corey to the 95 Killers podcast. Welcome to the show, my brother. We're glad to have you back. That was smooth. That was <laughs> smooth transition. I I'm, I'm glad to have you back. It's been a it's been a while. Oh, no, it's an honor. It, it's been about two years, I believe. I think we did the last interview was June 24th, 2020. Okay. So that was that was prior to the the whole pandemic thing. So, but a lot has a lot has happened. A lot has wow. happened since then. Wow! Right? A lot has happened. I listened to the old episode that we did together. You're like the top one of the top people that people asked to to do another interview. Actually, as soon as the the one was finished, they wanted it. But people recently started pushing, and I looked at the numbers, and you're pretty much up there. That's the pandemic, bro. That's the pandemic. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that no, tells, it's not. That tells you that the world went upside down. No, it, no, it's not. You know what's cool about it? What's cool about it is that the last time we spoke, we were so relaxed that we didn't really have any structure. But this time around, you're not going to get off the hook that easily. Oh. Okay. Oh. So, <laughs> so get ready. I'm ready for you. I want to talk about um, your parents. So I know you mentioned that your mom. She worked for The Tonight Show. And if anybody wants to listen to the first episode with Chris, then you should go check it out. It's on the website. But I want to know more about how she impacted you where you're at now in your in your business, in your life. Gotcha. Well, literally, I mean, uh, even though she's not here anymore, she impacts my life every day. The sort of things that she instilled in me when we were, you know, my sister and I were kids. And also leading by example. I mean, she was somebody who never sought the spotlight and and never looked for it and never embraced it at all but because of her talent she it was thrust upon her mm. we'll, we'll put it like that and so literally when she was 19 she was plucked right out of uh, NYU she she was a city kid like me they chose her there was a there was a writing contest and her roommate at the time, who was sort of like my aunt, told her to enter the contest, you know. And she said, no, no, I'm definitely not going to do it. And she wrote something. She threw it out. And my aunt, like, grabbed it out of the garbage can, sent it in, and uh, literally she won, right? So they they flew her uh, out to Los Angeles, and they most people know The Tonight Show 
for the longest time, Johnny Carson. So right before him was a guy named Steve Allen, who was very famous in the 50s, whatever. And so it was her, and she was the only woman comedy writer for The Tonight Show. And Wait, so this was, this was at 19? She's at 19 years old, literally plucked her right out of NYU. And they flew her out to L.A., and she was out there for a year or so writing for them, whatever. She couldn't stand L.A. because she couldn't drive. She born and raised in New York City, never got behind a, <laughs> right, a right. car in her life. And she couldn't walk home after dinner, and she was like, no, nah, this place is, you know. She came back here, and she started writing uh, copy for commercials and print ads and things. And, you know, back then, we're talking, this is the 50s now. Uh, going into the 60s. Um, it, advertising was not what we have today. There was no social media. There was no, so print and uh, radio and television were huge then. I mean, you know, it's the Mad Men era, and it was it was massive. And she actually, again, was the only woman in that arena. Mm-hmm. And because of her talent, she kept getting hired and then she kept moving up and then, you know, which was unheard of in those days because as a woman, even now it's tough, right? For women, uh, listen, there's still a glass, still ceiling. a glass. Ceiling there's still all of that still exists. It's obviously better now, Yes, but that, you know, I still don't think it, it goes away entirely. There's always a stigma, mm-hmm. you know, which is ironic because the fact of the matter is, Women have it over men in just about every conceivable facet. They're <laughs> smarter than men. They're tougher than men. They can multitask better than men. I mean, they have it literally. They yeah. are by far the better sex. It just so happens that, you know, it's a man's world. It continues to be a man's world. It's a, it's a country run by rich white men. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still, all of that structure is still intact. Right. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, as time goes on, it gets better and better. But for her, she was so far ahead of her time yeah. and a, a trailblazer in that. And, and she led by example. You know, I mean, uh, it, as a child, I didn't realize how big it was. You know, as an adult, looking back, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you, I mean, you know. So you, we had a conversation. I remember you were, I was doing photography and I shot the line for your, for your website. Right, CKC, right, right? And you said something to me that stuck in my mind. We were talking about personalities and people, and you said, it doesn't matter how talented you are, it matters the type of networks that you, that it, the, the circles you network in. Do you remember that phrase? I do. I think we were talking about talented people can sometimes rely on their talent to get them through. And I've found, especially in the world of business and everything else, it's not about how talented you talented you are. It's about how much you're willing to hustle. It depends, again, what, what sort of industry you're in or whatever, but I have generally found, look, you always want talented people and you always want people who are gifted in whatever and you want to surround yourself with those people. But if you're starting a business, I will take, three guys who hustle their ass off over the one talented guy any day of the week. It's like building a house. You definitely want the most talented architect that you can find, Mm -hmm. but the people who are going to make that house last are the workers, are the workers who are going to put their blood, sweat, and tears into building the foundation of that house. So if you got that, you're 
well ahead of the game. Basically, the reason why I landed on that is there's a lot of people when I do these interviews and they see all of the, the people like yourself that have made it to where, you know, and successful in their, in their own right. And what the question I get a lot of times is, well, I'm talented. Why don't I, why don't I have that? I know people, and I'm sure you do, that know that are talented in whatever field, but they don't hustle as much as the person who doesn't have the talent. Could you speak more to like, when did you, that become a thing and you realize that for yourself? Um, for me, uh, it was really more of seeing things around me, you know, especially growing up here in New York, you see a lot of spectacular successes and spectacular failures. There's generally a common denominator between each of them respectively. Talent without sweat equals nothing. And what I found was, especially in business, that sweat goes a lot further than talent only because there's no real quantifiable price tag you can put on talent if it's not implemented in the right way. And so I think what happens is people rely on that talent as a crutch. But like anything else, it's only half the equation. The, the other half of the equation always has to be there. It has to be something that's you know you surround yourself with so that i generally find people who hustle make the talented people seem more talented because they've done all the hard work to put that quote unquote talented person in the spotlight so it's it's like a marriage right it, yes. you know you're only as good in that respect as your partner or that who you surround yourself with mm -hmm. and and I think that goes a long way now that being said the talent is the talent you you have to start somewhere someone has to have a creative idea or a, or a gift in some area that makes them stand out from the rest i think that's a lot and talent is different in different arenas it's also difficult to judge. I may feel like somebody's super talented and you may tell me they're a clown, you know? And, and, <laughs> I and think you I have would, told you that. You would. I think yeah. I have told you that Without, before. without a question. <laughs> um, and so talent is sort of like art. Yes. Two people may look at a painting and see two very different things. So the talent is what's talented in your eyes. Versus sort of in our arena, in sort of uh, clothing and things like that. You have two very different kind of designers in our, in our industry. You had somebody like, uh, just off the top of my head, like an Alexander McQueen. He was an artist. He made incredibly intricate things that were just like amazing in their, uh, you know, complexity and, and out of the box thinking. And then you have somebody like a Tom Ford. Now, Tom Ford would be the first one to tell you, Alexander McQueen is an artist and I'm a commercial designer. I make stuff to sell. That's a talent too. Yes, but it's it a different talent, and it's a, a talent geared more towards commerce. It doesn't mean that Tom Ford didn't make beautiful things. He right. certainly did. But would he consider himself an artist? No. In his film career, yes. But when it came to clothing, absolutely not. 
would he tell you that Alexander McQueen was just a pure artist? Absolutely. So it's all relative to what you want to gear it to. It's funny you say that because I, I feel that's how I see you. I, I have friends who are businessmen and I have friends who are, are, are artists. You're the, one of the people that I consider both artists and businessmen. And you get, no, but you gave me, you gave me some advice, which I'm going to share that really helped me actually. When we met years ago, actually, do I got a photo? Let me show you a photo. Oh Lord. <laughs> we met in 20, don't, 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 don't look like that. It's okay. Yeah, like, this is like breaking out like, you know, like the, when, you know, you had the bad haircut, and, you know, like, <laughs> So that's from 2015. Get out. That's 2015. Do you remember that day? Yes, I do. Where we were, we were, we were downtown somewhere. We were downtown. One of my guys, Paul, who's assistant over there, he's the one that took the photo. We were, we were, what? we saw you walking, and I asked you, could I shoot some video of you? I had the little gimbal, and we spent 30 minutes oh of your day. God. And I know you had somewhere to go and you were like, don't worry, we'll get it done. And we got it done. We shot some stuff of you. But I remember from that day, uh, the thing that, two things impressed me that you shared that day. That's yours. You keep that. So Appreciate the first it. thing hey, that- I haven't <laughs> been able to get rid of you since, man. <laughs> no, nah, you can't get rid of me. It's just so not right. two things you said, because oh I was working God. for somebody at the time and you said, you said two things that really impacted me. So the first thing you said was, you said, imagine- um, cause I wasn't very intentional how I was on social media. I did nice things. I, I always created stuff. I had an eye. I knew that, but I didn't really have any intention. You mentioned that you said, what if I told you years ago before the internet that you were going to be able to have your own magazine viewed by billions of people around and you didn't have to pay anything, but you had to have intention. So when you said that, I was like, am I intentional? And I started looking at my Instagram and I said, I'm not, I'm, I'm doing things to to people to look without any any real thing behind. So that's the first thing you dropped. Well, look, I do believe there's a lot of things I don't like about social media in today's world. I think the ironic part is it's the most anti-social thing known to man. As far as business is concerned, and I think that's what we were talking about then, this is the golden age of uh, entrepreneurship. I mean, when I was coming up, you know, and I, I started a, a real estate business, I stood on the corner on a freezing January morning with rain pelting me in the face at a payphone with a roll of quarters, cold calling people trying to get work. Okay. <laughs> if you told that guy who was standing <laughs> on the corner, you know, freezing his ass off, soaking wet, that someday you would have the opportunity to reach over a billion people and you didn't need a roll of quarters. <laughs> <laughs> you could be inside. Listen, man, it today is, is uh, an incredible time for business, which is why I have a hard time when young people complain to me that it's, it's so hard now. And it's a, are you kidding me? But they don't, but they don't, they don't know what you know. Because they grew up. They only time. grew up in this time, so they have nothing to compare it to. Which I don't, you know, blame them for. But what I try to instill and like hammer in their head is: Are you kidding me? <laughs> You've been handed it on a silver platter, and it's all up to you. That is the beauty 
of something like a social media or websites or however you want to put your your message out there mm-hmm. is they give you all the tools. You have every tool you will need in that toolbox. It's up to you what kind of house you want to build. It, it, it's but it's limitless. Your options are limitless. It's mm-hmm. it's all about you. But you told me that when you were struggling, you would find these high end places, right? Okay. Go to the bar, yep, and get your iced tea, yep, and you would nurse that iced tea. And the reason why you set at those those high end bars is because you knew the type of individuals. Do you know how much that's helped me? Listen, man. Could you imagine? Look, uh, I you, appreciate you, and if it did <laughs> in any small way, I'm I'm happy for it. How did you know? How, what made you think of doing that? Because I really couldn't think of anything else. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's not because I was some sort of genius. It was because I literally was out of options. But you have to be. I tell you what got me there is you have to be aware of your surroundings and you have to keep your eyes open at all times. So I'll tell you what got me there. I was with a friend of mine and I know exactly the place you're talking about, which is it was actually at the top of Barney's, which is no longer there now. (laughs) Right. And it was a very sort of high end restaurant at the top of Barney's that was called Fred's. And it was like a who's who of New York who used to hang out there. So I was with a friend of mine and she was shoe shopping. She wanted me to go with her and pick out shoes and a couple of outfits because I used to like dress her for events and things like that. So we're there and I had just, uh, it was like right after I got my real estate license and I was trying to figure out ways to cultivate clients and and I, I was struggling, man. I really didn't know, you know, I'm like, how is a young guy? Nobody knows me. Nobody cares, you know. And if you go into it with that mentality, you're already, you've already lost, right? So I was trying to keep my mind open and, and be opportunistic. So while we're there in the ladies' shoe department <laughs> at Barney's, and it's about 11.30 in the morning, I'm looking around me, and all I see are obviously wealthy people shopping in the middle of the day, right, because they can afford to do that. And, you know, you don't have to be a genius to figure out. I mean, you can look at the jewelry and there's, you know, a five carat diamond on one, you know, hand. And there's, you know, money flying around all over the place. And I'm like, wow, you know, look how fortunate they are to be doing this. I'm actually, you know, doing this for a friend. I'm not. Right. But it then dawned on me. I said, okay, all these people, this probably happens on the regular. Where are they going after this? And then it dawned on me, they're going upstairs to the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Now, I know if I had to sit and eat there every day, I'd be broke within two weeks. So I went up there, uh, I made friends with the bartender, and I I sat up at the bar for about four or five hours a day with a stack of business cards. And after we got friendly, he used to hook me up with free iced tea. (laughs) So I didn't have to pay for it. And uh, probably because he felt bad for me. And so I would sit there and inevitably it's New York. And especially if you grew up here, there's sort of like this internal sort of dialogue you have, you know, people for some reason come right up to you and start talking to you, (laughs) you know, all the time. And, and they would sit down and they start telling you their whole life story. Right. And so inevitably that would happen. And, and more and more people, and a lot of the time it was, 
you know, just a nice conversation and they would get up and leave and, you know, I continue to like over caffeinate myself on iced tea, <laughs> iced tea. right? Mm -hmm. But I still sat there day after day with those business cards, hoping that the one person would come and sit down that would change the course of my life in terms of business and where I was going. In terms of all, all you can ask for in this life is an opportunity. Just give me a shot. If, if I screw it up, I'll, I screw it up and, and I can live with that. But what you really need is the shot. And in, in this day and age, and it was even true back then, mm -hmm. you have to make your own shot. You, you can't wait for the shot to, you know, manifest itself in your life. You have to manifest it and you have to put yourself in a place mm -hmm. and take action to make that happen. So my action was sitting at the bar right. and breads. And then inevitably what happened was this woman sat down and she said to me, um, you know, we started talking and it was like idle chit chat <laughs> and whatever. But then it, the conversation started going on and on. Right. And after it started going on and on, now she's telling me her whole life story. I mean, it's and I was like, oh, my goodness, you know. But then she hit me with this. She said, yeah, we were talking about growing up in New York. And, you know, she asked me what my favorite part of the city was. And then we started talking where you live. And I said, oh, I live, you know, downtown. And she said, well, we live on the Upper West Side, but we're thinking about moving to the Upper East Side. And I said, Oh, well, that's ironic because <laughs> I own a real estate company and his mother, and she's like, oh my God, really? And then we started talking about different buildings in the city and different, and she, and then she started picking my brain about what's good, what's not. I'm like, you know, you don't want to be in that building because, you know, they always have plumbing problems and what. And I know, I knew this from growing up here. And then before you know it, she's like, I'm going to call you and I'm going to have my husband call you. And I sold their apartment. Yeah, yeah. I sold, you know. I then put them into a new apartment. Obviously, they were very affluent, and they have a lot of friends. And that is the key. The networking, right? Well, it's the networking, but more so, and I always tell this to young cats who come mm -hmm. to work for me. They immediately, they focus on the money. And they're like, well, listen, I want to get paid. So if I sell a $5 million apartment, that's it. I'm like, don't worry about the $5 million apartment. $500,000 apartment, or even lower than that. Or worry about and concern yourself with doing the best possible job you can do for your clients. The money will come after that. But if you focus on the money, you have now made it about you. And people, they're like dogs in that way. You know, dogs sniff each other, they get a, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying though, right? That dog sticks his nose, right, and he knows in two minutes what was going on. And humans are instinctual in that way too. And if they have any kind of sense at all, they can smell it on you. Would you say that it's that people pushing the sale instead of the relationship? First? Absolutely. It's about the relationship and the network you build around you. If you, I always tell this to young guys if, or ladies. If you take care of your clients, your clients will take care of you. If you do the best possible job, if, if Christopher does the best possible job for his clients, they will be at dinner a month later and a friend of theirs says, oh, you know, we're thinking about moving. We're thinking about, you have to call Christopher. <laughs> exactly. that, that's the first thing that comes out. And, that, you know, here's his number. And, and, and it, it was at that time, the referral business, whatever. It is no different in this business that I have now. It's if we make the best possible garment we can make 
and treat the people the way they should be treated and make it about them. It's not about what I want for you. It's what you want for you. And we kind of meet in the middle somewhere to make you look your best. And if we can do that, we've nailed it. And then they walk out of here feeling good. Same thing. They're at dinner with their friends. I like the suit. I, I like the jacket. It, the fit is amazing. Where did you get, get it? it? Yo, you got to call my guy. Boom. By the way, I like that tie. Appreciate it. You can't. <laughs> I, I see you. I see you. Eyeballing. You eyeballing, I see right? a little bit of jewel coming out. Um, so, not gonna so I like that whole part about building a network. Now, the other issue that I'm, I'm thinking of is when somebody doesn't realize that there's an opportunity. There was a quote that I read years ago. It says, opportunity comes disguised as hard work, so people try to avoid it. How does the person know that this, what they're doing is gonna lead to something? Or do you think they should do it you without don't. thinking? You, you don't, don't know. You don't, and you'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. That's, there's no risk, you know, there's no reward without the risk, right? So, but here's the thing. Your gut has an amazing track record. It has never steered you wrong, ever. Whether you listen to it or not, different story. But I don't care if it's the lady you were seeing, the job you took. What During the course of that time, there were 10 red flags that went off in your gut telling you you're in the wrong spot, man. You didn't listen to it because you maybe wanted to make it work or, you know, something to that effect. I hate when you're right. I know you do. <laughs> Good, know, sorry. But, but it's just, you know. If you listen to it, you will know in, in minutes whether you're in the right spot. Now, that doesn't alleviate the fear. Fear, actually my mother has a quote about fear, about it being the greatest handicap of the human race because it inhibits you from doing something. But her theory, which has always served me well, was the more frightened you are, the more you know you're in the right spot. Whatever scares you, run right to it because you overcoming that fear and overcoming whatever challenge you have is going to catapult you to whatever the next level is that you don't even know exists yet. With fear, um, what year did you open this store? We opened in 2018. 2018. So 2018, you opened the store, yeah. right? Yeah. The pandemic's hit. Talk <laughs> about your fear with that. Was there any fear around when that hit? Well, I will tell you. So it was fear when we opened the shop. No pandemic. I was like, who, who <laughs> is ever going to shop here? Like, I don't, you know, all we, you go into it thinking, I just want to make the best possible thing I can make. And you let the chips fall where they may. Did I ever think that we would have the success that we have? Um, not in a million years. Man, you just hope and you just do the best job you can. So we're open for a year and we get, and we're doing well. I mean, I have to say, shockingly, we were profitable our first year in business, which I never saw coming ever. We stumbled and fumbled and bumbled our way through it, but I feel like we did have a good product. A lot of that had to do with what I thought was a decent design and my business partner and who's the tailor, Carl, crafting it in a way that we made most people look really good, right? So we knew we had something, but getting it out there and, and having people walk in the door is another story. So we're open a year, but we're doing well. We're like, hey, we turned a profit. You can't ask for more than that first year in business. Then we get invited to Paris Fashion Week. 
because the first know, year, the uh, first year. Wow. So right after the first year, so it was like our second year in business. We get invited to Paris Fashion Week, which was an honor, and a, it was it was mayhem getting everything ready. We didn't have models here. It was I like, saw your model. You have models. I saw them. Uh, uh, listen, they, they were beautiful. all like, well, I appreciate you, but yeah. you know, we know you, you, <laughs> about you. Uh, so. <laughs> Literally, like it was, it was mayhem getting it ready and doing it. But you know, we managed to put on a pretty decent show, and it went really well. And we're like, okay, this is going to catapult us to the next level. We come back here, pandemics hits, the world shuts down one week to the day after we get back here. And I thought at that moment, I thought, oh, that's it. We were very fortunate in that right before we left for Paris, we launched our website. Because what was happening was so many people were calling who didn't live here and couldn't get to the shop and couldn't, and you know, we had to find a way where they could purchase things because we were getting flooded with calls and no way to service them. We sort of painstakingly put together this website and to try to make it easier for people around the world to buy because we were getting calls from these far, I mean, Turkey and Dubai and London, and it was hard. So we said, okay, we got to set up something so that they can buy something. And we did. And I have to say that got us through the pandemic because shockingly to me, I thought everybody would just come to a screeching halt, right? And they're like, okay, but the website went crazy. We would come in, you know, not to open the store. We would come in to just ship stuff around the world. There was no cars on the street. Just the UPS truck would pull up (laughs) and we would load my man with boxes and stuff would go out on the weekly. And it was all about packing and shipping and packing and shipping and packing and shipping. Another thing you did though, um, that you didn't mention is I was watching you on on social media and you were doing interviews. So even when the stuff was closed down and things might have been a little slow, you continued to do interviews with with people, I, which I, kept I will, your name I, and yeah, kept I will it, t- I will tell you, kept me top of mind. Kept I, you top of mind. I appreciate that, but I would tell you that that was of no doing of my own. Um, I think because everybody was home, uh, trying to come up with content and things like that. I think. Um, guys with with different media platforms were reaching out to people because they needed content, and I was very you know fortunate. And you super honored. humble, man. Stop y- it. Y- you know, hold I'm on, a, wait, hold on, wait, wait. I'm not, I'm not gonna let you do that. No. Of all the people they could call, they just said, "Let me call Christopher Corey." I, you know, it's funny you say that. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you because so many of them said the same thing to me, like, "Wow, I can't believe you answered me." And I'm like, why wouldn't I answer you? You know, it's an honor. I don't care how big or small your following is. It's an honor to be asked. So if I'm sitting at home doing nothing like you're doing nothing, and I can help you out a little bit. I wasn't even thinking about, oh, it's exposure for us. Right. I was thinking, uh, you know, if, if it's a guy with a small, you know, situation, I'd be happy to help him or her. And then, you know, obviously a lot of the bigger ones would reach out and same thing. But I, and I was just an honor to be asked. So how, how, how could you not do that? But so how do you, how do you manage, how do you manage, um, like, cause there's gotta be somebody, right. That would hit, that would contact you. And you're like, listen, I'm not doing that. What are some of the things, because there are a lot of, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. A lot of, uh, a lot of people that have podcasts, they ask me, well, 
how do you this work with like somebody asked me actually directly about you actually about you and another guy how'd you get christopher Corey to do the interview with you and i said i don't know i'll ask him when i see him yeah, yeah so uh, so i'm asking you now like what what, what well, made look, you do it well look i mean you, you do have to sort of weed out who you want to be associated with okay. and who you don't i mean the there's a lot of freaky stuff out there that uh, it's just not my <laughs> vibe, man. I'm like, and no judgment, you know. Right, that's, right. That that's all you, and I'm 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 glad it's working for you, but <laughs> no thanks. So, so, but how do you decide though? Because I seriously, there's people out there that like I know one guy, right? And I I I I was questioning myself. Do you listen to who they've interviewed and make a decision of no. how, what kind of? No. So how no, you know? I never do that, and I I, ha I have had this in uh -huh. the past where they want to send me the questions before. I hate that. I tell I tell them please do not do that. How you, you read my mind, that, Tony? Didn't my friend Tony? He could tell you. Didn't we have a conversation about? I had a conversation with another podcaster, yeah. literally like a couple of days ago. Hopefully he hears and don't think I'm I'm, I'm singling him out. <laughs> I'm not singling you out. This just happened. Yeah, you you heard? You came there up with it. Are. He said he sends. The questions and I and I said, you know what, um, yeah, to the no. person before, so they can be prepared. And I said to him, you know, I watched um, uh, when I first started podcasting. I watched all the greats, like I watched Walter Cronkite. I believe oh, yeah. he said this. Walter Cronkite says um, a lot of people kept telling me write the write write the answers down. And I said, let me go listen to what other journalists have said about this, right? right. So I, I found a video with Walter Cronkite. I'm going to post it up, and he said, write all your questions out, and then throw it away. Hey. He said, "You want to speak to the spirit of Absolutely. the of the interview. Like, I don't want to be sitting here looking down." So, Chris, what? That, remember that time right. when we? Uh, right. Even though no one is, no, we're not videotaping at all. But right. how distracting would that be? Like, remember Mary. that time we were in the? Oh my God, no. So, I mean, yeah. so I'm glad you said it. And, and you see, I didn't bring it up, Tony. So that guy, if you, if you listen to it, I did not bring this up. You said no, it. No, I, I don't like that at all. I feel Why? like I feel well. I feel like it's it's disingenuous and it's scripted and it's it's canned content. If if you want to know about me, you got to get the real me, or then don't tune in at all. Because if I'm going to be some robot, or I have to curate something to satisfy your impression of me or what you think I am. You can go down a rabbit hole with that stuff and then you're just going to feed into it. You're going to give people the answers they want to hear rather than the real answers. That's what I that, said. Then, then you might as well, you know, be on some sort of platform where you, you script everything and, and what you've then become is a sitcom. You That's know, and, and I, I don't want, I, ironically, there's no reality TV in reality right. TV, right. but I would want this to be as real as, as it possible. can be, right? Because for the people who don't know you or the people who may want to do business with you or, or thinking about doing business with you, you, you want to show them what they're getting for real. Yes. I cannot tell you how many people come up to me. Uh, I'm, um, very honored and, and humbled to be, I get stopped on the street a lot and in different places and, and people talk to me and they always say the same thing to me. The common denominator is, wow, I can't believe you actually look like your photos. I get that a lot. I'm like, I, that tells you where the world is right there is that people are, are whatever they're doing to their photos doesn't look like them <laughs> in real life, which like is so stupid. Hello, I was on Tinder. Before, before, right. before my girlfriend, it's, it's the, and so I know what you're talking about. You know, it's that. And yeah. I'm like, but then the person shows up, and it's like, who's that? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't... 
And they always say the same thing. They're like, wow, you're actually the same guy I saw on same the temperament, the same kind of thing. And I'm like, well, what did you expect? And I will tell you something very interesting. And this, I think, is pervasive of where we are in the world today. We have a lot of fabric vendors who come in here and want us to carry their stuff and whatever. And I had a meeting with one once. Very well known, high end. <laughs> don't say know. the name. Don't say the uh, name. No, no. <laughs> he, actually, if I said his name, he wouldn't care. He's actually a really good guy. And so we sat here for like an hour, just talking and going through fabrics and mm-hmm. and talking about business and whatever. And it was the first time I ever met him. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, "He's like, man, I, I gotta tell you something. I'm I'm super surprised." And I said, "About you know?" And he said, "I thought." I mean, forgive the language, but he said, I thought your douchebag factor would be <laughs> way higher. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, damn. I'm like, is that where we're at? And he said, yeah. He's like, listen, I meet a lot of guys from social media, a lot mm-hmm. of guys. And he said, you know, and I, well, I, I appreciated the compliment. I also, it made me feel like, wow, so that's where we're at in the world today. No, I mean, I think it's important that, one of the things like that I said when I started the podcast, I didn't want to sit across from anybody that I don't like because I've definitely worked with people that I didn't yeah. care for. So I'm like, why would I, why would I start a business and then say, Oh, I'm going to sit down with this guy. Cause uh, I don't like him, but I want to interview. I had people that wouldn't do the interview with me unless I send questions over. So that's why when you said that, I was like, this is why we get along because I don't want, like, it would be, unf- it wouldn't be fun to sit here and write questions down and then read them to you. I, I feel you, man. Or but ask you the same I questions. I will tell you, I yeah. will tell you, quite mm-hmm. honestly, you're in a very, very fortunate position to be able to pick and choose. Because I got to tell you, and I'm going to tell you straight, this is, I don't care what business you're in, you're inevitably going to have to do business with people you don't like. Because that's business. And there's a fine line. I would say we are very fortunate in that I would say... 99 out of 100 people who walk in that door. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy, I love talking to them. We get along great, whatever. But there's going to be that one or that guy, lady, whatever, that is not going to be that. And you that's when you have to decide um, what is a diminishing return versus a real return. So that one person that... that you don't particularly care for could be your number one client in terms of spending power. Mm-hmm. Then you have a choice to make and you have to say, okay, what is the greater good here? You know, it do, is it about me being happy or is it about the bottom line of the business? And if you're going to be in business, you have to constantly juggle that. And, you know, it's the same as, when I design stuff in here, yeah. I would love to design everything I love, but I can't do that. I have to design half of what I love and I have to design the other half, what I think is going to sell. But that's fair. But question I want to ask you is, so with, so I, I love the, 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 that's a great point you made. Cause there are people that say, I only want to do business people I, that I care about. Right. Which yeah. I don't agree. I would say this though. After working so many years for people, I've dealt with people that should have been thrown out on their face. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved to do that. I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying. Like, but, it, you know, I'm not <laughs> yeah. a violent person. Yeah. But I'm serious. There's people. So, <laughs> I, so understand being in sales, 
I have a high tolerance, and I don't get angry or, or upset very easily. The people that I'm talking about, you wouldn't want to share the same space with them, but I did and I serviced them. And even when you service them, it's still something else. So my point would be this, what, what, what I said about business for myself was I'd like, I, I always wanted, I dreamed of the day where I didn't have to, but like you said, it was a choice that you can say, you know what, this particular person, right. Like, like you, you could take your, you could take your schmucks, but there's a day that's going to say, you know what, the, the door is closed for you today. I love right. that. That maybe one day, not every day, but right. one day. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. Listen, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a choice, right? It's a choice. Listen, uh, you have to decide and you have a tolerance level. Right? I have a tolerance level. You know, well, I know you do. Cause I like, I seen the nunchucks and stuff. And you I know, know, you know, I have, there's know, a limit. I didn't know. That, that's, that, that's some, that's some passive aggressive therapy right there. That, you may want to talk to It helps, about though. It, it, gets, it gets all that aggression I, I, out. No, no, you know, no like, question. I never hit anybody right, right, on purpose. No, but, but you're not a violent person. Not a violent person. Right, no, oh, not, not every day. No, not every day. On Fridays. Just in your downtime. Yeah, in downtime. Uh, I would say, yes, that's true. Um, but again, it's a choice. And it, it's what your threshold is, yes. right? You know, we all have that point that it's just not worth it. But, you know, a lot of it, I guess, depends on your personal interaction yeah. with that and and what you can take look uh you know there's a lot of stuff i didn't think i could take yeah but <laughs> if you're going to be in business and that person ends up being like your number one client mm -hmm. you can take a whole lot more than you thought you could <laughs> <laughs> have you ever like you know what it's funny one, one way i knew that i had reached the threshold this is like um when i worked the past job i was at this customer came in and i mean he was the worst right but i said i'm going to deal with him and I and as a, a sign, I said, I'm gonna deal with this guy. I'm gonna finish the, the sale. This guy spent two hours with me. I mean, and it was I don't even repeat some of the stuff that he was saying, right? Mm -hmm. But I said, you know what? Just for myself, I said, I'm gonna be in business one day and you're gonna deal with these characters. But the next day I was on my way to work and then I just I said, I don't wanna go to work today. Like it was literally it hit me, like it whatever happened that day before, it hit me. So I got I was on the train, I remember I lived uptown, and as I'm passing this diner, I said, I want pancakes. So I got out the I got out the train, and I went to have pancakes. I called my boss. I said, "Hey, I'm not feeling well. I'm not gonna come in." So if you listen to this, I'm sorry. I'm I lied to you. But uh, <laughs> I said, "I'm not coming. In. I don't feel well." And he's like, "Oh man, I'm, we're we're short staffed." I said, "Yeah, I'm sorry." Right? Hung up the phone, had my pancakes. When I finished, <laughs> I was like, I felt better. I felt like rejuvenated. I got back on the train, went to work. He saw me. What are you doing here? I was like, I feel better. Mm. So it was just like the fact that I could. So it's not like I would say, I don't want to work with you. The fact that I don't have to, but I choose to. So it was a choice. Have. So I mean, you know what I mean? I exercised a right where I felt when I worked for somebody before, I didn't have the right. Like they were like, you're going to deal with that guy. And he's like, I don't want to deal with it. I want to deal with him. You know what I mean? So I just had to get it out. And I yeah. think I got out that anger that was inside. Cause I, I, I held in and then the pancakes released everything, the syrup. <laughs> And they then do, they do that. They right? do that. Yeah. So have you ever been in a situation where that you kind of felt what I mean? I mean, and I do. I, yeah. I really firmly believe what you're talking about, okay. I think is a state of mind. Right. And I think it's very difficult for when you are an quote unquote employee to have that mindset on the day to day because at the end of the day, someone else is signing your paycheck, right? So I've been in a very fortunate position in that I've never really had a boss, 
right? So show off. Uh, not not at all. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm joking. I'll, I'll be honest know, with you, man. It, it's it, which goes to show you, like if if uh, an idiot like me can do it, it's it just about it's <laughs> possible it for everybody. <laughs> but for the people who then eventually came to work for me, I would instill in them, yes, I am going to sign your paycheck, but. Your mentality, and I think this is true of all industries, even in the last job you worked, if you go in there with a servant mentality, I'll call it, for lack of a better term, you're going to live the life of a servant because you, you start adopting that mindset. Whereas you can do just an, eff an effective job, maybe even more so, if you go in there thinking this is a business of your own, you are your own business. So yes, you may work for somebody, but when that customer is in front of you, they are working with you. They are not working with the company that you're working for. So you have your own capsule business within that business. And depending on where you are in your life, you can use that capsule business as your formal education. I'm not talking about a doctor. I'm not talking about a PhD. I'm not talking about an MBA. I'm talking about the stuff you really need to learn in everyday life to be successful. If you may be in a job that you cannot stand, but it's paying the bills, you have to use that time as your capsule business and your university of learning and growing. And if you can do that, I don't care if you're flipping burgers or I don't care if you're working for, you know, Tesla. You have to use that to grow you. If you can use that to grow you, you will inevitably grow more so than you ever would have imagined. Man, and, and, and you know what? And these are the things I'm talking about, which why I like how you broke it down. It's so It just so happens that two people in this very room our customers, our former customers of BNH, and they will tell you that they are part of that capsule. Paul is one, and my guy over here, Dennis, is another one. Makes sense. So it all comes together. So I, what you're saying is exactly what I said. I said the capsule part was. I said what I what I use. I said I'm a free agent. Absolutely. So I told this girl, I was like, what do you mean you're a free agent? Uh, I said a free agent is like I don't really watch sports, but from my understanding, a free agent does not sign with a team, right? And and so. Every year is up for negotiations, whether uh, they stay right, or not, right? Right, right? So I started running the business like that. Like these guys were my, these were my customers. And they'll right. tell you, like my manager said, they're not your customers, they're the companies. And I was like, in my mind, they're my customers and, and, and my I, friends. Oh, absolutely. And it really, it really, what you said, Chris, I'm saying, I didn't even think about it, but what you said really just struck a, a chord with me. So that part of it, like, I mean, this is why I, I like talking to you because you made me realize that too. It was like, I started to, um, cause I felt that way. I first, I used, to, I used to get angry coming on the, going on the way to work. Yep. And then when I started to say, this is, this is like the university, like instead of going on vacation, instead of hanging out after work with the guys and right. talking crap about the business, I said, listen, yeah. if you're going to hang out, you guys have five minutes to talk trash about the, the business. And then you got to go, you have to stop it. And the reason why I did that is because I said, we already gave them 40 hours for the week. Right. You want me to give them another seven hours of you right. talking about them at the right. bar? For free. So, yeah. 
so like I said, this is this is what really helped me. Like you were in my life actually. You and a few other ones. Shout out to Kamal was around as well. Um, and the way you guys speak about giving different perspectives, you that. you you helped um, inadvertently or, or whether you knew it or not, but it really helped get hearing these kind of like boss perspectives. Uh, I appreciate um, that. Do you I, do I, that intentionally, or is that something that you just do all the time? You just let it go. No, I think uh, look, I, it's from experience. I mean, that's that's what I see and, and really what I feel. I feel like it's it's about how you use your time, right? Listen, this is, you never know how long you got here, right? So time is our most precious commodity. The ultimate luxury, people come into the shop and they're like, oh my God, it's, you know, luxurious and it's this and it's that. And I'm like, well, thank you. But, you know, the ultimate luxury is your time and it, and it's how you spend it. So when you were working for somebody else, you can use that time as your education. You can use that time as your uh, groundbreaking for your business because you're actually, you know, whether you realize it or not, you're, you're building it even when you're working for somebody else. So it, it's all about time management and how you use it in terms of how it helps you grow and, and how it helps you move you down the path. And, and you could be working you know, at a job you really can't stand, but that's just for a limited period of time. Like you may have been in school and we're talking like even high school or before that, and you had classes that you absolutely couldn't stand, but you have to take that class in order to move to the next grade. So it may not be pleasant. You may not like it. You may have hated math. You may have hated art history. You may have hated all that stuff, but you absorbed as much as you could, you filed it, and then you moved on to the next grade. And whether you know it or not, this is sort of, this is part of the beauty of education, is whether you liked it or not, it, it planted a seed in you and it helped you develop you. You now know life is about process of elimination. You wanna find out what you don't like before you can find out what you really like you have to sort of eliminate the what if maybes, oh, I'm not sure, get those kicked to the curb because all of that is just noise. You know instinctually what you like, what, what absolutely sets you on fire, what gets you excited, what to, and you have to gear your life towards those things. I, I, when people come to me and they say, Oh, you know, I don't know what my passion is. I'm just confused. And yeah, I said, really? So if I go into your house right now and I open up your laptop and I look at your bookmarks, what you have, I scroll further down. Keep going, keep going, keep going now. I start to see a common thread. Mm. Now, if I see a lot of save sites or, or save videos or save this and that on art or or fashion or you're into mathematics or you're into engineering they, there's a common thread in there that that's what you do when you're not working that's your downtime that's what you enjoy so in there is a map to what you really want all you have to do is connect the dots if, you, if i see common threads of video production photography, 
art, whatever. I start, I can formulate for myself who Glenn is partially, but I do start to see a common thread of what gets you excited. Right. And I can piece those things together. Now, if I can do that from the outside looking in, there's no way you can tell me you don't know. Right. You know. But you know, I think I think it is. And then I, I have a question to ask about. You have a secret for us you want to share, an exclusive that you have to share with us. Um, but I was, I was, you had me thinking about when a person doesn't know what their passion is. It's not that they don't know, I don't believe. I believe it is that they're afraid 100%. that, they won't be able to achieve their passion. So it's easier to do everything under the sun. Same way when somebody has a friend who has a trouble in their marriage and they want to help that friend, but yeah, their, their marriage is falling apart, 100%. it's easy to work on other people's problems than your own problems, oh, always, right? Yep. So I think that's where that whole, I don't know my, my passion comes from. I agree. I think, I think that's a huge part of it. I think, it's, uh, I think the other part, and I see this a lot in, in young people uh, especially, is they don't want to admit it. They're either afraid to admit it, ashamed to admit it, or like you said, they think it's so so far, far ahead. out of their reach or a possibility that it's just it's it's impossible. That's a dream. That's a fantasy. That would ne and they, it's a mentality that would never happen to me. One of the best parts I would there's not like. <laughs> a million good things about getting older. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got to, especially physically. But one of the most amazing parts is that you become an incredible editor. You are so finely tuned in your editing skills of who matters, what matters, who's in your corner, who's not in your corner, your time spent saying no. You become an editor, like in, in your 20s, 30s, where you said yes to everything. You hung out with people you shouldn't have been hanging out with. You, you wanted to be in. You wanted to be cool. You wanted to be all this. You get to a certain point in your life, and you're like, are you kidding me? Well, Chris, what about the people who are older and are still doing it? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, learn from your mistakes, because I guarantee you that person that you're hanging out with that isn't good for you reminds you of somebody you used to hang out with that you don't anymore. And there's a reason for that. You're repeating the same mistake. You, your gut tells you all you need to know, and you're just not listening to it. If you feel that way, if you have great news and you're hesitant about sharing it to your boy or your lady or whatever, something is galactically wrong in your life and who you're surrounding yourself with. Because inevitably, those people are poison and they will bring you down. It is a very simple equation. If someone is not contributing to your life, they're taken away from it. And if you are with that person for a long period of time, they are taking away your life. Ooh, damn, Chris. You're hurting with that. Okay. Because <laughs> I have two cups of coffee. No. Wow, so you have an exclusive to drop to us today. So this guy's yes. first, before he announces it, we have a big announcement. You heard it here first on the 95 Killers podcast from Christopher Corey, and literally, you have the floor. Literally, this is, <laughs> you are breaking the news. So just like we were talking about how people, they don't want to admit their passions or they don't want to um, really delve into them because they think it's so far beyond their reach and it's impossible. 
something like that would never happen to them. I am living proof that that is not the case and you are wrong. And if I told you four years ago when we started this business, we would be where we are today, not a chance in hell. I mean, you can't, you know, I never really felt like it was out of reach and I never really felt like anything is out of reach. And if you adapt that mindset, quite honestly, the universe has a funny way of confirming that. And we have just recently been confirmed with that. CKC and this brand has recently been acquired by a very well-established legacy brand in Italy. And we, we have been bought. And it's, uh, I think it's going to be an amazing time going forward as, as they absorb our brand and build their brand to a much bigger and ours and using what we have to do just that. And it's very collaborative and it's very, and we are, you know, beyond. What does it mean when a company, another company buys your brand? So basically you are acquired. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is no different than let's say Apple buying beats. <laughs> no, I'm not comparing. <laughs> why not? Uh, why not? Uh, but it, it well, in terms of you know dollar amounts, it's it's not there. But uh, you know, do you still have create some creative control, or are they very much so that you know it's an interesting thing that you bring up because we've had one of these offers before, and it it, it came literally like about a year ago, and 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 that offer was extremely generous but what it was was they wanted to keep everything in place just like it is just grow the business with a, a huge infusion of money and obviously for myself and my business partner it would be the same and that's a, a, a great day to have but it became a situation where they wanted the creative control and for myself and my business partner, we looked at that and, and said, as, as great a payday as this is, it wasn't worth it to us because of that, the lack of creative control. We would become something we never set out to be, and we would be selling things we wouldn't feel good about. And if that's the case, I would rather shut the door. And, and that's what we did. We said, thank you, but no thank you. And, and really uh, are honored by the offer, but I, we can't do that. This time, again, it was an offer we couldn't refuse. Sort of uh, that was lovely and, and amazing. But more important than that, and more important than any dollar figure that you could put on it, it was they got it. They got what we are about. They want to just expand on that and sort of morph it into something else that's sort of a hybrid of what they do and what we do. And I love what they do and they love what we do. So, I mean, it was like a love fest all the way around. <laughs> it was just really a question of how to integrate all this because, you know, they're, they're an international company and we're, we're based here locally in New York and the logistics of it, which still will take time to roll out and whatever, we're now gonna 
open up multiple stores in multiple international cities. It's really an opportunity for both of us. It's, it's really much more collaborative, even though on paper and for sure they are buying us. Creatively, it is something A, I can stand behind and even more important than that, the quality of the things that we can produce now are mind-blowingly good. So to say no to that, I would be an idiot. The right lady walked in the door wearing <laughs> the right dress and right. saying the right things. And, and just like any other relationship, you know in two minutes whether there's a spark or there's not. There's not. And there was a major spark here, and, and that major spark uh, turned into a flame, and, and here we are. Well, congratulations on that. That's, really, that's, Thank a, that's you, really big really news. Um, you deserve it. Thank Shout you. out to Carl. Yeah. My, my hitman yeah. Carl yeah yeah Carl. A great guy but uh, he, he was stressing the whole way through. I bet he was he's yeah. a super humble guy he is uh, he's, he's uh, let me tell you something uh, again uh, quickly yeah yeah please uh, please just, it's about the people you surround yourself yeah. with I wouldn't have started any of this quite honestly if it wasn't for Carl Carl was the one who was twisting my arm we got to do this we got to do this I remember and I gotta be honest with you, if it was anybody else twisting my arm, I still would have said no. But the fact that I could do it with Carl, was the, he's the only one I would have done this with. And then fast forward, it's four years later and, and here we are having this opportunity. It's, uh, I think that speaks to who you surround yourself with and good things will happen for both of you or if there's multiple of you, you know, that if you, if you keep it with like-minded people and, and, you know, and he and I are opposite in a lot of ways, <laughs> which is why it worked the yin to my yang and, and, and all of that. And in this like dysfunctional family that we have, it, it just works. And I think if you, if you have that good things will happen to you and they just did. Well, um, congratulations again. And Thank I think the you. common thread between you and Carl, if I could say so, just from the few times I met him, is integrity is very important to both of you. Yeah. The quality of the store, like you guys, like you guys are just on point with what you have here. Even the, the photos that are, that are here, it, everything you, speaks to what you guys have done together. Thank so you. congratulations Thank again. Explain to anybody listening how it's an opportunity, if you think it is, to really move with intention. Like you gave me the advice years ago about moving with intention on social media, okay. if you remember. <laughs> uh, okay, well, the first part yes, is, sir. Uh, listen, I, I'm, I'm as shocked as anybody that, you know, other than my sister and five friends follow me, even to this day on social media is, is still shocking to me. And I never intended to be on social media. Uh, it was actually one of the young guys who, who works with me on a real estate side. And at that time, I'd already been styling my clients, and it became sort of like a business unto itself. But he said to me, he's like, hey, listen, you know, Grandpa, you're not on any kind of social media whatsoever. And I told him I was extremely happy about that. You know, I was like thrilled, as a matter of fact. And he said, yeah, not really, because if you're going to be in business these days, you have to be on, on some kind of social media. And I looked at all of them and I chose Instagram at the time because it was the most visual and it felt like at the time it was the easiest to use, which was so right up my alley because <laughs> that's about as much as I could handle. And I thought about what he said and, and you know, you have to listen 
to people you respect about their knowledge or who are in the game right now. Now, being that he was much younger than I was, you know, he was much more in the flow than I was. And uh, so I really took his words to heart and I looked at all of them and I, and I chose Instagram again, not thinking that anything would come from it. But what I did see on social media was like a medium of lack, especially for something like Instagram at the time, which was like, you know, huge and, and, and growing exponentially. It seemed like people were voyeuristically looking at other people's lives and seeing everything that they didn't have in their own. And you could kind of see it happening in the real world, too, as you meet young people. And the more time that they would spend on social media, you would meet them in real life. And you could see that they felt that way. And they, they would show you accounts that they thought, you know, oh, look at this guy's yacht and look at this guy, you know. And <laughs> first thing I want to tell them is, you know, since I've been on the thing, I've found out that, you know, the majority of these people full <laughs> and you have to actually discern who's actually living that life and who's not. You also have to discern if you are living that life, what are you contributing other than showing your wealth? What, you know... I see that you have all these things, but now what? Who are you? What What are you contributing to this world? So when I, I saw all that, I'm not going to lie to you, it disgusted me. So I had now adopted this platform, and then I said, okay, what am I going to do with it? I I made it a point to be the opposite of that. I made it a point to, if if you can use this platform to help at least one person change the course of their life or help them in any way, then it was completely worth it. Having to do all the stuff you have to do to, to grow on social media and put time into it. If you helped one person, then it was totally worth it. To anybody listening right now who thinks that anything is impossible, <laughs> Look at this, and and on paper, this makes no sense whatsoever. And yet, here it is: the impossible becomes possible every single day. It's like the newspaper; a new miracle comes out every single day, and you have no idea what tomorrow's newspaper is going to say. When you get up in the morning and you read it, it's like, wow, did you see it coming? No, because you think you know the future? No. Did I think any of this was going to happen? No. But if you put your 100% effort into it and it's something you live, eat, and breathe and you're passionate about it, something good is going to happen, man. Something good is going to happen. Wow. Oh, you helped a lot of people today. Listen, man, it, it, it's mutual. Mm -hmm. And bro, let's face it. The... Pride goes both ways. Right. When I first met you on that street that I'm looking at this photo right now <laughs> where I was a lot less gray. <laughs> and you actually look way better now than you did then. Just do, so I, you know. do, I, do I look? Like as a young man, you really wasn't all that. I, I, I tell you. I, I gotta I, admit. Like I, a fine wine. Like a fine wine. We, we I age. Have to say, I gotta say. This yeah. is like a little frightening on both accounts. Well, you know what it was? It, what it was was it was like there was things that I, like, I didn't believe that I could be, right? So that's, the, that's what you see in that photo. Like, I wasn't sure. 
So yeah, I guess when that's you when you very, come more sure, you, that's a very good point. Yeah, the I guy in this photo is not the guy who's sitting in front of me now. Yet he is because the only difference between him and you mm -hmm. is he didn't believe it, and now you know you can. Yes. Okay. I'm proud of you. <laughs> thank I'm you. Thank you. I want to do a live. So when we air this, I want to do a listening party. We can do it here. I can rent a space, whatever you like. Have a few friends over. We drink some wine. We listen to your episode. Your choice. Interesting. So I'll give you a chance. I'm going to have to be drunk to listen to this. So that makes so, sense. So you want to do it here? You want to do so? I rent a space? Whatever you want. Okay, we'll do whatever it here. You, want. you tell me what works for you. Okay, that I works for me. I'll be... I'll be uh, okay, second I'll be thing. There. Second request. Oh, man. Can we give my listeners... A, uh, or our listeners, I should say. I would like to donate something. Well, you can donate something. Um, I'll donate something, you donate something, and then, you do you wanna do a code? Sure. Okay, you so donate, you, you pick what you wanna donate, and then, it. so we're gonna donate something, it could be a scarf, it could be whatever. Done and done, um, you, we'll, we'll figure it and out. We'll, and we'll give it out for people listening, they'll, they'll answer a couple questions about the episode, and for the code for the website, it's gonna be 95killers. Shocking. How that sounds? Shocking. How that sounds good? Shocking, yeah. right? Amazing. Yeah. It's all about your branding. I yes, no, let's I, do that. I know where your head's at. Exactly. And with that, we are done, sir. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Without you, this couldn't be possible. Take care of yourselves and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.